0: Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or an educational institution that has an intracampus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're gonna take a look at a very timely topic, and that is the topic of conspiracy theories. Our guest is an expert on this issue. Mr. Michael Boother, has been Professor of American Literary and Cultural History at the University of Tubingen since 2014. He received his PhD from the University of Bonn in 2007. His most recent book is The Nature of Conspiracy Theories. Professor Buter, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being with me today. Your topic is just—I don't think there's a more timely topic, to be quite honest. We can talk about it. even even climate change may have gotten bumped off the front page for this one. But why why did you decide to write this book on conspiracy theories?
1: Well, it's my second book on conspiracy theories. The first one came out in 2014. That was for a specialized academic audience. And uh, once it had been out in Germany, I was asked more and more by journalists uh, to comment on current conspiracy theories in Germany as well. So I started doing a lot of talks, lots of interviews. And at some point I thought, well, I've explained so many basic things about conspiracy theories so often now, I could just write them down. So I wrote the German version of the book that came out in 2018. And uh, then um, people were interested in having an English version. So we did that with a revised version and updated it, of course, to talk about the Corona crisis. So um, it's been a long time in the making. Uh,
0: Now, you mentioned the Corona COVID-19. There's a pandemic of of COVID-19 in the United States and around the world, and we also have a pandemic of conspiracy theories. Have conspiracy theories been with us forever as long as two or more people got together to talk or to talk about somebody or to try to identify what was going on?
1: We don't really know yet. There's a lot that we don't know about the history of conspiracy theories, but most scholars these days assume that uh, conspiracy theories are not an anthropological given, meaning that they haven't been around Forever, But most scholars would probably say that they emerged at some point during the late middle ages and the early modern period, maybe around 1400, 1450. At least that's when we find the first conspiracy theories that really resemble modern conspiracy theories or contemporary conspiracy theories. And since then we do have a continuous history and um, they, are now everywhere in the world, so we also don't know if conspiracy theories existed at that time already in the Arab world or in Asia, but of course by now, uh, or since about 1800, they have been everywhere in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you're in Germany, in, in Europe, and I, I'm just curious, are the, are the you, you view, I guess, Europe, the United States, North America, South America, the whole world there, as I mentioned, there is a proliferation in, especially in the United States, now maybe it's In other countries too. But it's just incredible how five, six years ago, you would hear a few off the wall, illogical statements by people that were just totally unbelievable. And now it's getting so it's turned into an industry, a cottage industry. And you even have media outlets in this country that are buying into it, which we'll get into them in a few minutes. But is it just in the US that there's this? Well, this epidemic that's taking or pandemic that's taking place or is it it worldwide?
1: Well, I think it's a worldwide phenomenon, but of course the degree of popularity uh, differs from country to country. So, for example, um, conspiracy theories seem to be more popular and widespread in the United States than they are in Germany. So in Germany, about one third of the population possesses, according to a couple of polls, what psychologists call a conspiracy mentality, that is a general propensity towards conspiracy theorizing. In the US, it's probably about 50% of the population, according to other studies. But. Um, these numbers are low compared to what they were 100 or 200 years ago when it was in both countries still quite normal to believe in conspiracy theories. And there are still countries in the world or regions in the world where it is still normal to believe in conspiracy theories. So, for example, if you go to Eastern Europe, uh, conspiracy theories are far more popular than uh, they are in Germany. And in much of the Arab world, they never really got stigmatized. So there, um, far more than 50% of the population would believe in them.
0: That's interesting. Uh, when I think of conspiracy theory, I think of something that's really not, well, it's not been documented. It's ill-founded, uh, generally speaking, it's somewhat ridiculous. It's sort of, as we would say in the U.S., off the wall to mm-hmm. some degree, and it's just almost nonsensical, and it could be actually dangerous to people if people actually believed it. Is that, mm-hmm. is that how you just define conspiracy theories, or is there another definition? There may be many definitions.
1: Well, I think this is the the current attitude that we have in the Western world towards conspiracy theories, that they are something for like nutcases in a way, that they are (laughs) counter narratives, unofficial knowledge. But for hundreds of years, they were officially accepted knowledge. Um, Most American presidents throughout history, by the way, believed in conspiracy theories and spread them actively. George Washington did, John Adams did, Thomas Jefferson did, Abraham Lincoln did, Dwight D. Eisenhower did. So Donald Trump, Trump is like uh, the last one in a long line of of predecessors. And for a long time, most media outlets spread conspiracy theories, both in Europe and in North America, because this is what people thought uh, about the world. They thought the world was organized by large scale Plots, And it's only in the late 50s, early 1960s, that conspiracy theories undergo a process of stigmatization in the Western world. That they move from the mainstream to the margins. That they turn from official narratives into counter narratives. And in other parts of the world, this process of uh, stigmatization never really occurred. So in Russia, in Turkey, in most Arab countries, they remain the official version. And they are articulated by political elites and by mainstream media until today mm-hmm. is there
0: is there a sharp distinction or are they interchangeable when we talk about conspiracy theories versus misinformation disinformation and lies and you mentioned Donald Trump uh, just use him as an example the washington post documented over 30,000 lies that he told as president in a four year period of time would that Those many of those lies were not, I guess, were not conspiracy theories, but they were certainly not objective. They weren't factual. They were, in fact, misinformation, disinformation. Would that, would those 30,000 be counted as conspiracy theories?
1: No, definitely not. So there are two important uh, differences between fake news or misinformation and conspiracy theories. On the one hand, not every piece of fake news claims that there is a large scale plot going on, but all conspiracy theories do. And secondly, um, when we talk about fake news or disinformation, we always assume that the person uh, putting this out in the world knows that what they are claiming is wrong. Whereas with conspiracy theories, we know from a lot of studies that most people who articulate them really believe that they are true. They think that they are bringing a hidden truth to light. But of course there are cases where conspiracy theories and fake news fall together. So somebody like Trump very often uh, articulated conspiracy theories knowing fully well that they were wrong. So in this case, conspiracy theories were a form of uh, of fake news. Now with Donald Trump, it's a matter of uh, speculation to a certain degree, which of the many conspiracy theories that he spread he really believed, and which ones he only used strategically. My hunch is that the one about voter fraud is one that he initially used strategically because he basically used it during the 2016 campaign already and then resuscitated it after his election and then started spreading it again in the spring of uh, 2020. But I also think that by now, he really believes in in this conspiracy theory, because he has been repeating this lie so often that he probably convinced himself.
0: And that's a perfect example of a conspiracy theory, I guess, that spun itself out into its own, really its own cult to some degree, or to cult members to some degree. Because as you mentioned, he did mention it even before the first ballot was count, counted or was even cast. He said that if I lose, it's a rigged election. And he kept saying it over and over again. And of course there were tens of millions of Americans who believed this, but then he said it after the election and after it was proven in over 60 court cases that he, lo- he won one, he lost I think 60 or 61. And they finally came to the conclusion, most people have come to the conclusion that uh, He lost the election. It was fair and square. It was probably one of the fairest elections ever held, as indicated by many Republicans and Democrats, too, to be quite honest. But now it's developed into it's gone from this conspiracy theory to the big lie. And that's big lie number one, that he actually won the election and that the Democrats stole the election from him. So did it cross that fine line or how did that uh, transpire?
1: Well, um, I think this is really a case where we see how dangerous conspiracy theories can become. And um, it's a conspiracy theory that really began as fake news that was strategic misinformation and that turned really into a mass movement and mobilized people. So generally speaking, there are three areas in which conspiracy theories can be dangerous. They can be a catalyst for radicalization and can lead to violence. Medical conspiracy theories can be dangerous because if you think that established medical knowledge is part of a devious plot, you will not take the necessary precautions to protect yourself and others. And conspiracy theories can be a danger to democracy because they can undermine trust in democratic processes and democratic institutions. And if we look at the storm on the Capitol on January 6, then all these three things come together. There's a group of people radicalized and ready to use violence because of their belief in a conspiracy theory. They're not wearing masks and not keeping uh, social distance. And they have comp- lost complete trust in a fair election. And they try to disturb a democratic process that is the ratification of the election result. Uh, through Congress, so um, this really is a case where um, we see how problematic conspiracy theories can be, no matter whether they start as intentional fake news or are genuinely believed by people.
0: Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer, you like our shows and you would like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at truly an international issue, and that's global conspiracies. And my guest is an expert on this topic. Mr. Michael Buter has been professor of American literary and cultural history at the University of Turin in Germany since 2014. His most recent book is The Nature of Conspiracy Theories. Michael, we we're talking about this. You were talking about the three criteria, and you, you move from what we in the United States but now is referred to as big lie number one to big lie number two, which was the actual assault on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. And of course, this was really, from all indications, looking at the videos, uh, this was invited and incited by the current president. And this group of insurgents, some people call them traitors, domestic terrorists, whatever you want to call them, uh, pick one of the above, they actually bought into this misinformation or disinformation about the election and they were going to physically stop the counting of the votes or the, making it an official election. So how do you counteract that information when to get it out? I mean, some people are trying to do that. They're putting out objective information, but how do you turn that uh, really, uh, I'm not gonna say misguided notion, well, yeah, misinformation around.
1: This is a really, really tough question because there is no easy way to do that, especially when you deal with people who are really convinced of their conspiracy theories. It's much easier if you're dealing with people who are only misinformed and who uh, can imagine that there was something fishy going on, but uh, who haven't really tied their identities to this conviction yet. Because uh, with these people, the correct information uh, can work wonders. You can point these people to debunking sites online or to uh, good news footage on television, and then they will come around. The problem is how to reach these people. And it's even more complicated with people who really believe in conspiracy theories, whose identities are tied to their conspiracy theories. Even if you reach these people, just uh, pointing out the correct facts won't do any good. In fact, there is a couple of studies that show that they will believe even more in their conspiracy theories after you have confronted them with conclusive evidence uh, uh, that these conspiracy theories are actually wrong. And that is because their their identities are so much tied to believe in these conspiracy theory. So um, you challenge their identities, and then you trigger a counterreaction. In these cases, it's almost impossible if you're working for the media or if you're a politician to reach these people. The only way to reach these people is through their friends and family, through people who have a real uh, emotional connection to them and who can ask questions and engage in extended dialogue with them. But of course, there's a fair chance, especially in the US these days, that these people very often also believe in the conspiracy theories. So it's really tricky and there is no good remedy. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're absolutely right about people not believing what they're reading or what they're seeing with their own eyes. And really, again, to focus on Donald Trump for a moment, he was a master at this speak or news speak, as, as George Orwell said, as far as putting out inf- misinformation that people believed. And then when you show them a video of him saying the exact opposite, they said, well, that didn't happen. It was fake news, it yeah. did not occur. And it did happen, <laughs> it was right there on the video. And it's just the same way with the attack on the Capitol. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had one member of Congress, uh, Congressman Clyde the other day who came out and said that the, the assault on the Capitol really didn't happen. It was just like a regular tourist group came to visit the Capitol. Well, if that was a regular tourist group, we certainly wouldn't wanna be with that group <laughs> to go to visit the Capitol. You may get killed in the process. But the, and what really amplifies the problem is that we have media outlets today, especially, and you may have them in Germany, in the United States, that really do not go out of their way to present objective information against all of these theory or the uh, misinformation that's out there, the disinformation and the lies. And you look at some of our media outlets, especially like Fox, Newsmax, One American News, they, they almost contribute to it. If you watch your shows, do you have that problem or that issue in Germany and some of the other countries in Europe?
1: Well, in Germany, not on the same scale. In Germany, there is still a very broad consensus uh, between public and private media, uh, both print and television and online uh, about what constitutes reality and what constitutes lies and misinformation. We do have alternative media outlets online Um, that reach about maybe 10 to 12% of the population. That's about uh, uh, the percentage of Germans really believing conspiracy theories. And they are basically doing what Fox News or Breitbart are doing in the United States. If you go to other countries in Germany and not in Germany, in Europe, however, if you go to Hungary, for example, there you will have a state-funded media spreading conspiracy theories constantly because the government... Uh, spreads conspiracy theories. So, um, and in Hungary, for example, all uh, the the TV stations are by now basically controlled by the ruling Fidesz party. So there the situation is worse than it is in the United States. In Germany, it is much better than it is in the United States. So you guys are occupying something like a middle position if we look at this from a global perspective.
0: And that's one of the challenges is that so many people, when they get into power, they want to take over control of the media so that they can actually present the information or misinformation, shall we say, that they want to get out to the public. And that is a major problem. Another area that this has been a problem, but it's not been to the degree, it has been over the years as we've looked at the climate change or the climate crisis. And years ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you still had climate change deniers many of those deniers were putting out misinformation. And many of them today say that, well, climate change is actually happening, but here are the reasons. And it's really cyclical, so we really shouldn't worry about it. And the fossil fuels are not contributing to increasing our carbon footprint. So climate change went through that, but not to the degree that we're going through it politically in this country. And and maybe, as you mentioned, with Hungary and Uh, probably the Philippines, Turkey, and some other countries could be put into that that basket, I would imagine. But the the situation has gotten so much worse, especially from the political standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think that um, in many countries by now um, we have populist leaders in power who are capitalizing on these conspiracy theories. Um, so if you go back 20 years and you look at um The Bush administration, then um, they definitely were not big advocates of countering climate change, but um, they didn't go out of their ways all the time to claim that climate change wasn't real. They just tried to ignore the issue and drop it and let more radical parts of the Republican Party do the talking about that. But by now in the US, but also in many other countries, we do have populists in power or we had populists in power in the US who really capitalized on conspiracy theories connected to climate Change, But of course, also now to many other issues and to turn this into a really political question. So if believing in uh, the reality of the Corona crisis became a political issue in the United States last year and uh, it had horrible effects and the same happened in a couple of other countries. So it's really about, I think, populist leaders um, using conspiracy theories, uh, whether or not they believe in them for their own ends
0: and the covid-19 still is one that's getting a lot of coverage in the conspiracy theory area area because people well we started off really in in february and march of 2020 with uh, just just disjointed information misinformation a lot of the scientists did not know exactly what to do mm-hmm. or how to deal with it so there was there was room for speculation but then it it turned into something a more of a political issue, more of a political football, as opposed to a health issue. Again, I, I'm just curious, did Europe, I know you've had ups and downs, some of the countries have done well on COVID, but did they experience that much of it? Or did they unify behind their scientists or health specialists, as opposed to the United States, which didn't, uh, could, did they unify behind them to try to overcome this problem and to deal with, the, with this horrible, horrible virus? That was ravaging the societies?
1: Well, there are lots of conspiracy theories circulating in different European countries about uh, COVID, but the issue did not get uh, politicized to the same degree as it did in the United States. So, in Germany, for example, there's about 12 to 14% of the population who believe that it's all a hoax and that it's actually a smokescreen for other goals that the government or other sinister parties want to reach. In um, France, for example, the dominant conspiracy theory is that this is a bioweapon that was put out there intentionally, which explains why you have demonstrations by conspiracy theorists in Germany, because they think it's not real, but not in France, because they think it's a dangerous biological weapon. Uh, But in none of these countries in Europe uh, was the issue politicized to the same degree as it was in the United States. So in Germany, all major parties except for the right-wing populists uh, um, agree that this is a problem. They all agree that it's dangerous. They might disagree on how to tackle it in the best fashion, but that's a legitimate political debate. And we have had this debate in other European countries. And the interesting thing about the ruling populists in Hungary uh, or Poland, for example, is that they took COVID very seriously and that they sometimes misused the situation and the restrictions that were necessary to uh, actually turn towards a more authoritarian regime. So you could say that there were the smart populists who capitalized on COVID and saw the opportunity that it provided them with. And then there were the not so smart populists like um, Donald Trump or Boris Johnson to a large degree in the UK who downplayed the danger, tried to politicize it and um, more or less failed.
0: Well, Professor Buter, this is an extremely important topic. And it's one that we're going to have to deal with. And we all need to be working together. And as you mentioned, those three criteria, I thought we're, we're undergoing that right now, especially the third one, where there's an attack on democracy. There has actually been an attack on the First Amendment uh, that was uh, conducted uh, when President Trump was in office and on democratic institutions in the United States. And of course, that is occurring in many areas of the world. But uh, we do need to focus on these problems. We need to debate them. We need to discuss them and we need to work them out because they're not going to go away and we can't just sit around spinning off ideas that really have no relevance to facts. But uh, again, Professor Michael Buter, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program.
1: Thanks for having me Bill, it was my
0: pleasure. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.